to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Matthew 21 verse 12 reads, When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And so, of course, who is this is the title for this message. Who is this? The question, this question would not be um, really unreasonable if this was Jesus' first visit to Jerusalem or if there were uh, like, like lots of visitors to the city that day that we now call Palm Sunday. But this verse says all the city were asking, who is this? And not just random visitors or outsiders. And so it's hard to comprehend the atmosphere, the atmosphere from the text. Uh, but it would have been an amazing moment in history to witness, wouldn't it? Amen. To be there that day. What a moment, a God moment to be there firsthand. Even followers uh, in this moment were asking, who is he? Something was different. And it's a bit like explaining the backyard band's experience to someone who missed it. Or like a teenager sharing the atmosphere of an Easter camp final night to, an un, to unbelieving parents, you know. Oh, yeah, just had to be there. I learned firsthand that you can't or you simply just can't capture on, on film the God moments in a room where something supernatural is happening. Many years ago, Jenny and I were on staff at a Set Ablaze conference put on by Lifeway, just weeks after graduating from the School of Hard Knocks, I mean School of Evangelism. <laughs> and we were on dishes, and we, uh, we were on pretty much three times a day for about two hours each time. <laughs> You can do the maths. And uh, we, were, we were serving with these folk from all over the North Island. And uh, I was pretty wasted. And despite being pretty wasted on the last night, uh, once the kids were in bed, uh, I went to an informal gathering of random folk from all over the place who had come to serve, mostly Gisborne and further on down. And there must have been 100 people in this small side room uh, and the presence of God was electric. There was wieter, praying, there was testimonies, prophecy, uh, spontaneous worship and just a sense of awe I'd never felt before. The love in the room was incredible, just to strangers and from strangers and uh, it was just intense. So I thought I'd shoot back and get my camera from the caravan. Well, there I was at the back with my old VHS, you know, trying to film it. <laughs> and uh, in the half light, I was trying to capture this moment. And when I really just should have enjoyed it, unencumbered and just been in that, in that presence of God. Anyway, I tried to do that so that we could tell other people. But anyway, when I played it back, 
It was nothing like being in the moment, as you had guessed. And this must have been the experience of anyone in Jerusalem who tried to explain to the Pharisees what was going on that first Palm Sunday. The power of praise must have been so intense. We couldn't lift the roof off because they were outside, but it, 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 it must have even caused regular Jesus followers to ask, who is this? Who is this? Last week, last week we pondered the con- how contagious must Jesus have been for tough fishermen to drop everything and follow him in Matthew 4. And by his total surrender to the Father God and the kingdom that he modeled and the hope and the vision that Jesus sowed with his words, the disciples were captivated and they followed him immediately. And we asked, are you so captivated by this God-man, King Jesus, that you've said yes to the call on your life? Today, we've jumped ahead through Matthew to almost the end of the gospel to coincide with Palm Sunday and Easter. But I believe it's for good reason that we follow this wonderful challenge of the call last week with a response today as we think ahead to the reality of journeying with Jesus forever. So last week was the, are you captivated with Jesus starting point? And today is, are you wanting to journey with him ongoing forever, being filled daily with his spirit to keep going? It's a bit like that saying, you know, after every good wedding, there's a marriage. (laughs) And I've added to work on. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's not easy and it's not automatic, is it? And you just have to keep going, working, working, working. So let's open the Word uh, today and read Matthew 21. We're right over into Matthew 21. We're going to read 1 to 11. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives there, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt, that's C-O-L-T, with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the King, son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, 
This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, for the last time in his earthly ministry, he came to claim the city as his own. He was coming to make Jerusalem what God had intended it to be, but it had never been. The joy of the whole earth. From it, streams of mercy and salvation would flow for all mankind. This was a spiritual claim. It was a strange coming. But in its very strangeness, it was the fulfillment of ancient prophecy. Verse 5, we've just read, is a quote from Zechariah 9, verse 9. I'll read it again. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. That's from Zechariah 9, verse 9. Jesus would have been well aware of this prophecy. He went to school. He read. He had studied the Old Testament. He would have been aware of this prophecy to ride a colt into town when he sent the disciples off to fetch the donkey and the colt. But the response from the people couldn't have been planned. It was totally there in the moment. And Matthew is actually the only, only uh, guy... Uh, writer of the Gospels, to mention that two animals were brought to Jesus, the donkey and her colt. The others just say the donkey. Anyone who knows farming knows that the easiest way to, uh, to round up baby is to bring along mum as well. <laughs> if you want the cow, if you want the calf, bring the cow too. Um, anyone you know who, who's been there knows that you don't just separate that colt from the donkey. See, Jesus could have ridden the mother donkey as other prophets and kings had done in the past. He could have read them, ridden the mother donkey, but to fulfill prophecy and as a sign of humility, he chooses the lesser animal, the little one. The colt, never been ridden before. Risky, you know, it's like going live. <laughs> By this, he was actually symbolizing that his kingdom was not of this world and that he would bring true peace to mankind and not war. See, warrior kings of the day would have ridden in on a stallion or rode in a chariot pulled with multiple horses. But Jesus comes on a, not a, just a donkey, a little donkey. So, so that's why I've called this message, Who is He? Because the answer to that changes everything. Who is He to you today? When Jenny and I went to Tonga a few years ago, uh, we flew from the main, mainland out to the island of Hapai. And Hapai is a long, narrow island. And it's tiny but beautiful. All around the edge, these beautiful sandy beaches and lovely palm trees. But in the middle, where everyone lives, not so much. <laughs> it was pretty humbling. Some of the houses, 
the skinny dogs. But there, were t there, were, there, were, there was bunting all along the road, green and white bunting all along the road. And uh, we asked, what's with the bunting? And they were, we were told, the king of Tonga is coming. The, t the king's coming. And this was an honor culture. And they wanted to honor their king. But he wasn't coming on a donkey. <laughs> He'd fly in, fly out once a year. <laughs> but this was their culture. And it was amazing to see. Have we lost something of that here? That honor culture that we honor up, honor down, honor all around. In contrast to celebrity means of transport now, Jesus, the King of Kings, chose to ride an unbroken cult. Now, the thing with that is that they, donkeys, I did a little study on donkeys through the week, and donkeys aren't necessarily stubborn. We think of donkeys as being stubborn. They only don't want to do stuff for people they don't trust. Does that make sense? But like I say... <laughs> But they actually sense who the owner is and how they're being treated, and they will cooperate. They are a trusty, loyal animal of burden, it says in the, in the Bible. And this little donkey just immediately felt trusting the trust of Jesus, and there was no problems. See, Jesus wants to gain our hearts, not just our lip service. That's what this says to me. He wants to gain our trust, not just our, you know, bowing down. See, Jesus' authority, along with humility, could well have been why the people, giving praise that day, exclaimed, Who is this? This too was a shame honor culture. They were used to giving mock honor to their rulers and sort of bowing down to the Romans, but in their hearts they were still standing up. Occasionally they would go out of the city to receive a new king in the Old Testament times. And the custom then was to go beyond the city gates and, and accompany the, the parade into the city of the, the latest king. But it was still a head thing. Jesus sought to gain heart knowledge. And by riding the colt, untrained, he's like saying, trust me, I have your back. I want your heart, not just your lips. Now that we've heard the backstory, the whole surrounding situation to this entry into Jerusalem, let's unpack this God moment more fully and just allow it to really challenge us today. This day was unique. It was impromptu. It was humble. And it was the Jesus they'd gone out to hear and been fed by. They thought they knew him as a love teacher, a prophet, and a miracle maker. You know, good old mate Jesus. But this day was different. Something was about to go down. And they didn't quite know what. He seemed different. 
and it both scared and thrilled them. Luke 9:51 says, "When the days were approaching for his ascension, that he that the presence, sorry, that he set his face to go to Jerusalem." I'll read it again. When the days were approaching for his ascension, that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now that word resolutely is like flint, steely glare. He was focused. He was destined for the cross and he knew it. The rest were just like, whoa, what's with Jesus? He was on his way to the cross. The difference was noted, and there was a sense that they were in the presence of not just a great king, but the king of kings. Song and praise breaks out, fitting for a king. The crowd are stirred to worship and lay down whatever they had. Coats and more coats. It, it just wasn't enough. It's, you know, whatever they could find, they were cutting branches of trees to lay down on the track, just like laying mats down for a heavy machine on Tarsil. This spontaneous outbreak of praise and worship put the spiritual powers of hell on notice. This was a supernatural king's moment about to set, place, set in place a different kind of kingdom in a spiritual war that was about to get even more real and intense in the days ahead. Jesus was not deceived or mocked or fooled by any notion of popularity. He allowed it because it was planned before the world began, but he was not on a walkabout. Jesus was not just casually walking about. He was on a mission. He was about to crush the powers of darkness forever and remove the sting of death for his followers. Was it any wonder that a week later the tide turned and the same people that praised him spoke a curse over their own lives by yelling, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crowds of fickle, eh? Jesus didn't trust them. As we all know, life is a journey of highs and lows. But this takes the cake. From this high, a week later, to the low of the cross. In all, they asked, who is he? Or no, who is this, sorry. Because they were still in a give me mindset. They didn't really know Christ, really, really know Christ. Jesus was resolute on the plan to please the Father, not the crowd. He knew that to go to the cross would create a new culture of those who would bow the knee from the heart and say, make me your servant. The give me mindset that was seeking all the yummy treats turned ugly a week later when it looked like Jesus was beaten and a loser. The kingdom that Jesus taught and modeled is both an offer and a demand. So what God does for us and what we do for him are all part of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And we can either be part of the give me crowd or the make me crowd. 
So as we come to the Lord's table today, let's say, make me. Make me whatever you want. Lay it down, what you want, and say to God, make me. Make me your servant. The prodigal son came to his senses. Instead of saying, give me half the inheritance, a few years back, he's come back to the father saying, make me a servant. Have we come from to that point just yet? I, I don't know if I have. And discover the servant we were meant to be. See, the greatest dent, even blow to our pride, is actually gratefulness, being thankful for what Christ has done. And you know, if Christ gave us nothing more than salvation, we would still be more than blessed here on earth. But as we know, he showers us with stuff. He rewards us, and he, his rewards are great even in this life to those who put him first. But we need, to have to, we need to come from give me to make me. Let's pause now and just allow his Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts for this meal. Holy Spirit, come. Renew us again and again. But in this moment, Lord, we ask that you'd speak. Juliet prayed it. We believe it that you want to speak into our hearts, not just our heads. And Lord, may we just hear your voice for this day, going forward, knowing every day belongs to you. You are our future. You are our life. You give life and you are love. We just thank you now for this message in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.